there. Welcome to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, where we explore mysteries, hauntings, and family secrets from the great state of Oklahoma and beyond. I'm Shy. And I'm Shanna. We're wannabe mystery solvers and cousins that love to hash out our favorite whodunits during family time. Our husbands are afraid of us, as As they they should be. be. So I'm it's I've recently become obsessed with Ted Lasso. I haven't watched it yet. I need to though. Shan. I was trying, like everyone I know pretty much watches Ted Lasso. And mainly two of my coworkers and friends. And when I started finally watching it, I was like, God damn it. I love this show. It's going to be one of those shows where I become obsessed with the characters. Yeah. It's going to be a Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek. She played... Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. (laughs) Fuck. Stevie. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, She wrote a book. She wrote a kid's book. What? Called the... Uh, basic witch something <gasps> something the basic witch so i got it for harper and she said it was really good oh yeah and then i've awesome. been showing harper her like tiktoks and stuff because she's weird she's a weirdy weirdo yeah. and i love it yeah i like her and i was like see she's just she's weird but she's like so funny and so she seems like a really nice person and stuff like that and harper was like i like that she's weird mm-hmm. makes me feel not so weird right <laughs> i literally it's funny that you say that I might get her the t-shirt that I just got that says stay weird on it and it glows in the dark. Yeah. So I might just have to get her one. You might have to. says stay weird. Yeah. It's my favorite t-shirt right now. Um, Besides our BB4. Rocking your bad bitch for life shirt. I'm rocking it today. I'm like, I look good in red. Yeah, you do. Okay. Red is your color. Thank you. I know. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Just saying. Who? Any who said? You're ridiculous. Um. Everyone Duh. says that. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> That's not new to me. Okay. All right. Are we ready for our true crime taco Tuesday? Tuesday talk. Talk. Damn it. <laughs> What did we come up with earlier? I don't know. Talking True Crime Taco, Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. Let's do it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is um, fairly recent within the past 20 some odd years. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not allowing 20 years to be a long time ago. It's just not happening. Girl. Stop. I, you know that as of this summer, I will have lived in Oklahoma City for 20 years. Holy hell, really? Yeah. When I came to live with you, it was 2000. It was late. Oh, no, it was 2004. 
I lie. Next year, it'll Next be 20 year. years. Yep. That's right. It was yeah. late summer of 2004. It sure was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, a little anniversary. I know. <laughs> it's been like 24 for me. We should count. all we should all live together again. We should. <laughs> we can live. <laughs> have a hippie commune. It's my dream. Yep. It's fine. It's not a cult though. It's not. We just want to all live together and fuck everyone else. Yes. Yeah. Anyways. All right. There, so I'm also going to be explaining some trial terms that I had to Google because I was like, what does this mean? Okay. So I'm figured, like from a legal trial? From a legal trial. Okay. So I figured if I, I've never, I mean, I've heard them, didn't know what exactly the definition of those words were or where they came from. So I'm going to give you a little education. I love this. Some trial terminology and how they came about some um, one of the hearings, separate hearing that was that um, went on during this case. Mm -hmm. I think I'm explaining that correctly. Yeah, like a like a trial that would set a precedent elsewhere. Right. So it was. Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay. And yeah. Anyways. (laughs) Okay. so. This is the murder of Ginger, Catherine, and Suzanne Fluke. A triple homicide? It was a triple. It was, how do you say, famil- uh, mm-hmm. what's that word? Familicide. Familicide. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. All right. So we're going to go back to October 18th of 1997. Mm-hmm. A man by the name of Ronald Dwayne Fluke would walk into the Tulsa Police Department covered in blood and tell pol- uh, police officers that he had just killed his family. Mm. Mm-hmm. Eight o'clock in the morning, he walked into. Mm. All right. Eight I o'clock in the morning. already hate this. Mm-hmm. Upon arriving at the Fluke's home. Officers would discover the bodies of 44-year-old Ginger Fluke, Mm. deceased on the sofa, 13-year-old Catherine, deceased in her bedroom, and 11-year-old Suzanne, also deceased in her bedroom. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Ginger would show signs of head trauma as well as a gunshot wound. Catherine and Suzanne would just show signs of a gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, by all accounts, not just from Ronald, but from family, friends, other people, he grew up in a very, you know, seemingly normal childhood in Tulsa. Like he, they said he had a very loving father. He had three sisters and two brothers. It doesn't say anything about a mom, so I don't know if a mom was present. But, you know, from what was being told of him, it was just just a normal, normal childhood, right? He had also been a firefighter from 1972 to 1977. Mm -hmm. So, like, normal-ish, 
whatever. In 1978 is when he met Ginger at a club in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Um, They later got married. Catherine was born in 1984. And Suzanne born just a couple of years later. Okay, so not, I mean, they're basically your age. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the, anyway. Ginger would be described by her, by not only her family, but Ronald as well as being just a great mother, a great sister, just this all around, you know, loving, kind person. Like everybody wanted to be around this woman. She's Mm -hmm. just a great person. And Catherine, Catherine was described by Ronald as brilliant, and in one of the things he said, she was good at spelling. So she was just smart book kid, is what I'm guessing. Okay. Right? And Suzanne was the entertainer. Suzanne was the baby, Second which tracks. Child, obviously. Mm-hmm. Duh. So babies, always the entertainers but also very um, creative. She loved to paint, sing, just that, you know, that personality. They both were cheerleaders, so loved cheerleading. And when asked by the family, they were both just very loving kids. Everyone in the family, you know, loved having them around. They loved to be with family, just family-oriented kids, always had smile you know, smiles on their faces and just they really felt genuinely cared about other people and other people's feelings. So just the cutest little empaths, right? Mm -hmm. They also would go on to share the family that they saw Ron as this doting father and husband and just like loved his family and he even attended, you know, friends uh, ball games for friends and family. Like he was just the person that was, you know, just the seemingly perfect family, right? Yeah. So what went wrong? Ronald loved gambling mm. Mm. more than he loved his family. Mm. So that was his little dark secret that he was holding on to Mm -hmm. until he couldn't anymore, right? Yeah, he couldn't have both at the same time. Correct. When the officers questioned Ronald, right, about, like, what happened? What's, you know, what's what caused all this? He would go on to state that in his mid-20s, he became a compulsive gambler. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It had become worse to the point that he hadn't paid his taxes in three years. Mm. He was a self-employed safety consultant and his business business was basically like down the drain. Non-existent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't pay his cell phone bill, which I thought was rando. Like, but there's a couple of things this gentleman would say that I'm like, that's where you got that? That's where you went with that? Anyways. So did did Ginger, the wife, work as well outside the home? Or did sh- was she stay-at-home mom? I'm not sure. Okay. I didn't ever find a, um, a report or anything um, 
that said okay. that she worked. Fair enough. I mean, it was the it was the eighties. More than likely, she did. Okay. I'm just that's just where I'm going with. Yeah. But. And also, his car was about to be repossessed. repossessed. Yeah. So probably the house was after not, that. Yeah, not far behind. Probably. Yeah. He also stated that um, because of all this. He and Ginger were having marital problems mm-hmm. and that he was suicidal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Before I go any further, I want to I want to kind of say that in all of his interviews, in all of the newspaper articles, he very much he very much blamed what went on and what caused this situation on depression. And I, I get it that it's a sign of the times. However, I have chosen not to, the only part that I wanted to leave in about any type of depression or depressive thoughts is the suicide part. Mm. He very much, he went into great detail. And I feel like that is not fair. I mean, you and I have gone through very dark depressions. Mm-hmm. And. It doesn't make you murder your whole family. It doesn't family. make, no, it doesn't make you murder yeah. your whole family. So I'm leaving that out. Yeah. If you guys want to go read the articles. I mean, this guy was. He Sounds just, like he was talking a lot after yeah. the fact. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, just super, yeah, he was, uh, he liked to talk. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that type. Anywho. When asked about what actually happened that night, he would go on to tell officers that at approximately one thirty in mm-hmm. the morning, he would walk into the living room where Ginger was sleeping on the sofa. She had no longer shared the bedroom with him, which in my mind, like, (laughs) he should have been on the sofa. Let's just start there. Whatever. She was probably just like, I ain't. So did it say that she was not sleeping in the bedroom with him because of the marital issues? Correct. Okay. Correct. She had been sleeping in the living room on the couch on the sofa. He then began striking her. Striking her eight or nine times, they're thinking, on the back of her head, neck, and shoulders with a large hatchet. Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay. Scared, the screaming from Ginger would wake up his children. He then shoots her once in the head with a thirty-eight caliber handgun, which kills her, obviously. He would then make his way upstairs to his daughter's rooms. And uh, in these articles, some articles say they made it to sound like they were sharing a room. Other articles made it sound like they were in separate rooms. Either way, he made his way upstairs. And one article, I think it was the News 6 article, 
stated that one of the girls, when he pointed the gun at her, thought he was joking and laughed. This is how... The fuck? I know. And this is how I think very compartmentalized he had his gambling depression, um, maybe personality with mm-hmm. his family. Because for somebody, I want to think that these kids never saw that. If you're, first of all, if somebody ever pointed a gun at me, I wouldn't fucking laugh. I'd run or try and hide, right? Mm. But for you as a child to think that it's a gun, you know, that your dad's being silly made me think that she never saw this, the side of him. I don't know. I don't. Maybe. I mean. That's how I'm trying. That I think that's how I'm trying to make it all make sense in my head. It doesn't. It won't, though. I know. I just. For her. For a child to see their father. Pull a gun on them. Pull a gun on them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Horrifying. And you know what? Because there's people that in very uncomfortable situations. Laugh. Laugh. Yeah. And it could have been that. Yeah. It could have been. Like, she was nervous and whatever. She didn't know what to do. Yeah. Plus, at 1.30 in the morning, I mean, right. if you wake me up out of a dead sleep and you're yeah. com- completely, like, discombobulated, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. It's crazy. His, j- his gun had jammed. Mm. Well... He fixed it mm-hmm. and then went on to shoot both girls one time in the head, killing them instantly. The officers would go on to state that Ronald was very calm and coherent when he showed up at the police station. And Ronald would go on to tell them he wanted to spare his daughters the embarrassment of his suicide and financial ruin. Okay. So this is in one of the articles, um, newspaper articles. He, in quotes, it says, I believe I killed the flesh, but I believe their souls are in heaven now. It then goes on to say, he stated he also attempted to take his own life, but decided suicide was not the way out because he had heard suicide is not a very good action to take. You Mm -hmm. guys should see our faces right now. We're just like, okay, you can make murder okay in your head. You can justify Mm -hmm. the murders of, I'm not even going to say your wife, who knows why he did that, but your kids, your own flesh and blood. Correct. You can justify the murders of your kids, but then you're like, you know what? Suicide? That ain't right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's nonsense. Mm -hmm. Nonsense. Right. He, He then repeatedly stated... I am the sorriest individual on the face of the earth right now, and Mm -hmm. I deserve to die. Agree. Yes. 
Which, yeah, keep repeating that. I agree. Keep. That's because everyone's going to agree with you, sir. Yeah. All right. So a year later, September 23rd, 1998, Fluke would go to trial for the murders of Ginger, Catherine, and Suzanne. Mm-hmm. During jury selection... Mm-hmm. Are you all right? Do you, need, you have a question? I, I'm... F- I... I'm wondering wondering how much of a narcissist this guy is that they that he made him take it sh- to trial when he walked into a police station and confessed to murdering all of them. Well, just but wait. It go gets, on. It's yeah. get, it gets better. It might. What I'm about to tell you might um, make your maybe he's a narcissist or he has narcissistic um, tendencies tendencies to be like, oh yeah, no, he's just a okay. During jury selection, against the advice of his attorney, he would stand up and plead guilty in front of everyone. During jury selection. (laughs) He then refused to submit any mitigating evidence. So this is this is where. Yeah, this this is why I just can't comprehend why he wouldn't just go ahead and plead and take take the life sentence right maybe the da wasn't offering it i don't know i don't i don't know well so when it said he refused to submit any mitigating evidence i didn't know what mitigating evidence was so Mm -hmm. i did the googles sure and i believe it was in one of the law websites i don't know one of the thousands whatever this is what i got as to what mitigating evidence is. The mm-hmm. definition of, mm-hmm. excuse me, any fact or circumstance that lessens the severity or culpability of a criminal act. Mm-hmm. Mitigating factors include an ability for the criminal criminal to reform, mm-hmm. mental retardation, an addiction to illegal substances or alcohol that contribute to the criminal behavior, and past good deeds, among many others. Mm-hmm. So, his his defense attorney was like, no, 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 no. I have like 15 witnesses that can present this mitigating evidence. That say you were a compulsive gambler. Yes. And, all, and going through but, a depressive episode. But and, also a good father. Also yeah. a good brother. A good yeah. son. Like all this blah, blah, blah. Well, the judge was like, okay, well, I'm going to accept this plea. And the his attorney's like, oh, Lord. Like, but I have these people. <laughs> so after his attorney was like, hold on, I have all these people. They decided, the the court decided to conduct a Wallace hearing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of a Wallace hearing? I have. Okay. Do you, do you want to explain it or do you want me to like go through the actual law, like what the Wallace hearing? Read the, read the legal definition. Yes, the legal yeah. definition where this came about. Yeah. Okay. I don't have the years. Do I have the years? Oh, well, it wasn't long. Mm. Anyways, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Try this again. Maurice Wallace was tried before a jury 
for felonious assault. Mm -hmm. During that trial, the prosecutor informed defense defense counsel that the grand jury was considering two additional charges against Wallace, assault on a police officer, and possession of crack cocaine. The cocaine possession was a second-degree felony carrying mandatory prison time. All right? At the party's request, the trial court delayed trial for about three hours while the parties engaged in plea negotiations. After extensive discussion between Wallace, his defense counsel, Wallace's mother, and the prosecutor, Wallace accepted the state's plea offer. On the day of sentencing, defense counsel reviewed the pre-sentence report and concluded that the trial court would likely impose a six-year sentence upon Wallace. Defense counsel informed Wallace, who angrily stated that was more than what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Wallace insisted that defense counsel move to withdraw his guilty pleas. Defense counsel then informed the trial court that Wallace wished to withdraw his guilty pleas and counsel requested permission to withdraw from the case. Mm-hmm. So that means his mm-hmm. his attorney was like, and I'm out. Yeah. Right? His attorney was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. The trial court appointed new counsel for Wallace and subsequently held an evidentiary hearing on Wallace's motion to withdraw his guilty pleas. The trial court denied Wallace's motion to withdraw his guilty pleas. Okay. Trial court sentenced Wallace to a total of six years imprisonment. The trial court discharged the jury and Wallace entered guilty pleas for felonious assault, assault on a police officer, and possession of cocaine, which the state had then reduced to a fifth-degree felony, eliminating mandatory prison term. So eliminating that six-year mandatory for for, uh, possession and making Wallace eligible for probation. In exchange for Wallace's guilty pleas, the state also agreed to make no recommendation concerning uh, Wallace's sentence. The trial court accepted Wallace's guilty pleas and ordered a pre-sentence investigation report. So this report, although a defendant does not have an absolute right to withdraw his guilty plea prior to sentencing, requests to withdraw a guilty plea made before sentencing should be freely allowed. And then it goes on to say a hearing ordinarily is required to determine whether a reasonable and legitimate basis exists on which a plea may be withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So with that, the the following day in Fluke's trial, in Ronald Fluke's trial, September 25th, 1998, it was found that Fluke understood what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He wasn't confused on any type of sentencing or prison term, that type of thing. Um, so he knew what he was doing when he pled guilty. The defense did go ahead. They were like, dude, like, let's try to let's try to at least get this to trial. Mm-hmm. Maybe like we can get you something less than. 
they went ahead and called in a Dr. Ann Taylor. On October 2nd, to testify that Fluke was incompetent to stand trial. Okay. Okay, so they called her in, had her do her thing, do her report, you know, all the things with Fluke, and then would go on to testify that he was he was not competent to stand trial. So trial was postponed. Mm-hmm. When they were back in session on October 12th, they submitted Dr. Tra- uh, Dr. Taylor's findings and then asked uh, Ronald a few questions. However, in all the reports I read in Murderpedia, in, um, you know, all of the news articles, I couldn't find what these questions were. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing they were um, competence, like competent, competency questions, maybe, okay. or maybe asking about, I don't know, do you... Like his current mental state and yeah, stuff like that. Like, are you, do you really accept this? Like, I don't know. Anyway, they were able to find that he was, in fact, competent and accepted his guilty plea and sentenced him to death on three counts. Damn. Mm. Okay. The death sentence would be because of the two aggravating circumstances that the state presented. Another term, like what does aggravating circumstances mean that I I wanted to look up. So the definition for that is knowingly creating a great risk of death to more than one person Mm -hmm. and the killings being especially heinous, atrocious, and cruel. Mm -hmm. Which... All three of those, heinous, atrocious, and cruel. Yeah, for sure. Right. At the trial, Fluke would even waive his right to appeal. Like, he he was like, oh, and then he goes on, he says, he wasn't trying to commit suicide by not appealing the death penalty. He saw it as getting justice for his family. Stating, I feel like I'm doing what's right. I'm guilty. I've made peace with God. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. You're very, like, um, quiet. I'm, uh, I'm a, I'm. <clears throat> I have got her. She doesn't, she has, she's at a loss for words. Here's my issue. Okay. I hate familicide. I hate a patricide where kids are killed by their dad. I really do. Um, the fact that this human being killed not just his wife, but also his kids. And then was like, I, I just couldn't kill myself. But also goes on this very like self-righteous mm-hmm. whirlwind of media coverage and is like, I I need justice for my children. So I'm pleading guilty. Get fucked, sir. Like, if you wanted to die, kill yourself. Do that. You took everyone and then also you're making the state pay millions of dollars for you to live out your life. Mm-hmm. Like, pff, I just... It, it 
more than anything, cases like this make me really frustrated and really mad. Mm-hmm. Because you're truly taking out innocent people for for no reason. Right. And then they get all this media coverage. And nine times out of ten, these these mostly men are huge raging narcissists. Mm-hmm. And they're getting everything they want. They're getting all of the attention. Mm-hmm. They're getting all of the the world revolves around me. And then they get to go on this very like altruistic media tour that's like, well, I did I didn't want them to live through me killing myself and my fucking business going under. Right. And it was like, even it was even asked. I can't remember if it was asked by one of the attorneys or the officers, um, or maybe it was a family member. I'll have to look. He was asked by someone at some point, don't you think that should have been their decision? Like you th- you say you were keeping them from the embarrassment of your your business going under, of you losing everything, of you going bankrupt. But don't you think that was their decision to make? And he was like, yes, I see that now. Yeah. And you're like, I just. How didn't you see it then? It's just. <sighs> It's just that narcissist behavior that's like, I get to make the decisions for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever I want goes. And he got everything he wanted. He uh, got all the attention and got to. Yeah. No longer had any responsibilities. Mm-hmm. No longer had any responsibilities. And now no one's, you know, no one's harping on him to get a job or. Yeah. Take care of the finances. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever the argument was in the marriage. So right. it's just trash. I hate hearing these stories because it's always if there's a person that survives, like if it's a mother that's drowned her five children in the bathtub or whatever, and if if it's a parent that survives in some sort of way, it's always this altruistic bullshit that's like, Well, the world is such a terrible place. I just can't stand the thought of my kids living without me or whatever okay but like let them make that decision right yeah why are you murdering your children right you know it's just i hate these cases sorry hate them (laughs) i hate the people that perpetrate these cases right yeah so mm -hmm. yeah i get you Mm -hmm. well with death penalty cases Mm -hmm. in oklahoma Mm -hmm. even if you appeal or even if you waive your right to appeal you still have an automatic appeal you still have a death sentence review Mm -hmm. right and the court of the criminal appeals found that he was within his rights and agreed with the trial judge that uh Ronald was competent when he waived his rights for basically everything, mm-hmm. right? So just three years later, on March 27th, Fluke would die by lethal injection um, at like, I think it was 8.30, 9.30 of an evening, something like that. Mm-hmm. There were multiple family members of Ginger, Catherine, and Suzanne present. Hmm. 
And just before his death, Fluke would invoke faith and ask for prayers for his wife, uh, for his wife's family, and for his. And he would make the statement, I did a terrible thing, and I am sorry, and I wish I could take it back. I've been through a fiery trial, and that has increased my faith. Uh, and it, then he goes on to say the blood of Christ saved him from his, from his sins. Mm-hmm. I was like, whatever need, whatever you got to tell yourself to get you through those last few minutes, sir. Whatever makes you feel better. Yeah. You just killed your – whatever. Well, Lori Adams, so Ginger's – one of Ginger's nieces – would be one of 12 family members that would travel to McAllister to witness or be in the area for his execution. So there were about seven of the 12 members mm-hmm. of Ginger's family that actually witnessed it. Um, I'm not sure if Lori did or not. But she would make a statement afterwards saying, We will never close our hearts to the love, happiness, and companionship we shared with Ginger, Suzanne, and Catherine. About Ron, she would say, most people lock their doors at night to keep the bad guys out. Little did they know that dreadfully, that dreadful night, they were locking the bad guy in. Mm -hmm. He not only took the lives of three very precious people, he also took a part of many others who loved Ginger, Suzanne, and Catherine very, very much. Yes. I'm still mad about it. I know. But that is my my story of the murders of Ginger, Catherine, and Suzanne Fluke. I have never heard of this. I hadn't either. Never heard of any Mm -hmm. of this. I hadn't either. Nope. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And when I read it, just... uh, For him him to walk in calmly and just be like, yep. Did it. I did it. Mm -hmm. That's my... Yeah. I'm just like... I don't know. I don't I don't know where his head was uh, obviously we'll never know where his head was at but mm. it, was, it was a crazy one mm. to read. It's horrible. Yeah. Absolutely horrific. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. It's, it's not it was not fun. No. But you did a really good job. Well, thanks Shan with all the legal Legal definitions. I mean, case precedent. I'm like, how can we make this a little educational and learn some things about mitigating um, circumstances? Yeah, trial court and that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, just remember, you got those mitigating circumstances in your corner. Should you need them, Mm -hmm. let's hope that you won't be one of these people. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, there was. There was a ton of things that went on during this short trial, Mm -hmm. even though he pled guilty. Like, his defense uh, team was like, okay, let's let's maybe, like, reel it in, sir. Yeah. Reel it in and try to get, like, they were very much trying to 
they were trying to get him a reduced sentence in some sort of way, but right. he, but he was like, nah. unhinged, completely unhinged. Nah. And he, at one point, would go on to say, I didn't find solitary confinement too bad. And I was like, oh, okay. That's where the, that's where I got that. Oh, you didn't want any responsibilities in life. No. At all. No. You didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hmm. So he was, he was like, yeah. He was like, this is fine. It's fine with me. I don't mind it. I don't no. mind being in my cell for 23 hours a day. Yep. Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. Good for you. It's gross. Mm. But mm. anyway, that's that's my story, Shan. Mm-mm. Well, you did a really great job. Thank you. I feel like I flubbed a I feel like I need to do some speaking exercises or something. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I just don't I don't talk perfectly and I, I apologize. Nobody does. Well, it's some people good. do. They talk for a living. Yeah, they talk for a living. We don't. We don't. <laughs> uh, I forget that. We do not. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Good job, Shay. Thanks, Shan. If you've enjoyed this episode or you're just really optimistic that we'll only get better from here, like, subscribe, follow You're Doing Fine Oklahoma on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at you're doing fine okay pod that's you are underscore doing underscore fine underscore okay underscore pod